What a beautiful gathering and what a powerful series to be in to begin this year. Don't waste your life. And that's possible for you and it's possible for me. And God, in His grace and mercy, wants to save us from that today. Interestingly, I was just rolling through my feed, my social media feed the other day, and a sponsored ad popped into my feed. That's when someone you don't follow pays the people who own the social media platform to put one of their posts in your feed. So you see something you wouldn't normally find unless it were there. This one was pretty timely for me. I think we have it, and we're going to put it up on the screen, but it's a post from ESPN. And Johnny Manziel recently did a new interview with ESPN, and Johnny Manziel's quote on the ESPN feed just a few days ago said, I refuse to let my entire life of sports from the age of four be squandered. What an interesting word to choose by partying. Now, if you, if you don't know who Johnny Manziel is, welcome to America. Um, and I know a lot of you are thinking, I don't really know who that is, and I did, wasn't really sure the Falcons were playing today, and that's okay. Um, you know, some of us are so committed to our relationship with Jesus and His kingdom purposes in the world that we can't be bothered by things like uh, football and sports and all of that. But I actually think, and this is for another day, but I think if Jesus got invited to the Falcons game today, He'd go. Back to Johnny Manziel. They call him Mr. Football. He won the Heisman Trophy, the first freshman in college to ever do that in 2012, and every other collegiate award you could win, including being the SEC Player of the Year. And I can testify firsthand that this guy was a wrecking crew, a one-man wrecking crew on the football field. He played the position of quarterback, especially on the college level, like few people ever have. And um, just extraordinary talent, but you could tell under the hood some things weren't all clicking the way they needed to be for a sustainable lifestyle. Johnny Manziel was drafted in 2014 in the first round and was the talk of the NFL draft. But as you know, Johnny Manziel has been out of NFL football for a bit now, and he's had a lot of ups and downs in life. But think about this. He's only 24 years old. Think about that. And so when I saw this come through my feed, you know, your natural reaction is, man, what a waste. Your second reaction is, wow, I hope this guy makes it. I don't care if he ever makes it back to football. I don't care if he ever makes it back to the NFL, although that would be fantastic because he's uniquely gifted to do that. But just deep down in my heart, I said a prayer for Johnny Manziel, and to be really flat out honest, and I don't know if he'll ever watch this or not, I've never said a prayer for Johnny Manziel before. I've probably read 30 articles about him, probably watched about 100 news clips about him. I've watched him play in person. I've met him before, but I never said a prayer for him. But I did this week, and my prayer was, dear God, in your grace and mercy, will you let him experience the fullness of the payback only God can give to us in our lives? The same God who says, I will give back what the locusts have eaten, because that's my story and your story, and every gospel story is the story of God giving us what we do not deserve and giving us a future with him that none of us could achieve on our own. I think Johnny Manziel is a picture of humanity and the capability we all have to waste away the gift of life that God has given to us. 
And I don't want to do that, and I know you don't want to do that, but life is a big thing, and we have to break it down if we're going to be able to save it. And so last week, we began this series by uh, laying out the idea that it's possible that we could waste our health. And so the message last week was, don't waste your health. And, you know, I don't know about you, but that ruined a lot of great moments in my week this week when I was um, sitting, you know, in restaurants primarily and going, okay, I really don't need to do that right now. Why? Because I have a big principle I'm trying to rally around in my life this year, and it is this. If you missed the message last week, we're trying to give sort of a boilerplate focal point to each message, and the one from last week was simply this. Don't waste your help, and here's how you don't waste your help, by making the necessary choices to extend your influence for Christ. That's how you don't waste your health. That's different than I want to get fit. That's different than I want to lose weight. That's different than I need to get my blood pressure down. That's different than I need to cut more sugar out of my diet. All those things are well and good, but that's not the big picture. The big picture is as far as it depends on me, I want to extend my influence on earth for Christ. And I don't want to cut that short by my own lifestyle choice. And to shave a year or a decade or two off of my life, years and decades that could be used to share the story of Jesus with the world. And I don't want to be tired all the time. I don't want to be cranky all the time. I don't want to not have good mental focus all of the time. I don't want to work at my optimum potential all of the time. Because when I do that, it detracts from the story of Christ in my life. So I want to make the necessary choices. And we know they're not going to be easy. We already know that. And that's what's kind of wrapped into Johnny Mansell's quote. He says, I've come to the place where I'm sort of fed up with the idea that I would squander away what I've spent 20 years of my life working toward. And I think all of us get that. So this week, we're going to break it down a different direction. And this week's idea for us is don't waste your Time. Now, there are a few things in our lives, tell me if I'm right or not, that frustrate us more than people wasting our time. <laughs> you want to really get underneath it quick. It's like, hey, you can even hear the tone in people's voice, don't waste my time, or you're wasting my time, or how do, we, how do people do that? By getting in a relationship, a guy with a girl, or, or vice versa, and the relationship cruises on and on and on and on and on, and then one person decides they can't uh, pony up to the commitment level and they say, you know what, I'm going to have to jump out of the relationship right now. And you feel like that person led you on and wasted 18 months, 26 months of your life. That's frustrating. And under it, you're like, man, you just wasted a whole lot of my world and wasted my time. If we get the directions wrong in the text or the email, has this ever happened to you? And not only did you not make it to the meeting you were going to, you ended up on the other side of town 45 minutes away from where you intended to be, and now you're like, wow, what a waste of time that was. Have you ever sat in a meeting before? Um, I hope none of the people that, that work with me say yes to this, but they're probably going to say yes anyway. Have you ever sat in a meeting with no point, no plan, and no actionable solutions? And you're sitting in the meeting going, I am wasting my time right now. And it really gets to us because we know time 
is precious and we all feel like we don't have enough time to do the things we need to do in a given week. But in reality, and I know you don't want me to say this, but, but you already know what I'm going to say. In reality, I'm the one who is the biggest waster of my time. I don't really need to worry about somebody who accidentally gave me the wrong address or about sitting in a meeting that didn't have maybe the brightest point in the history of humanity. My time wasting usually resides with me, not with someone else making decisions in my life. And this is how it happens. We, we don't waste our life all at once. We, we waste our life a little bit at a time. And you and I have the ability to recalibrate our thinking around our time. And today, I think, is going to be a huge step in that direction for all of us. I, you've heard some of this before, but the average life is 75 years, and um, I, I'd certainly vote for at least that right now. But if the average life is 75 years, the normal person spends 26 years asleep, like literally asleep, like sleeping. That's crazy. 26 years in bed, asleep. You're like, well, but if you spend those 26 years really well, the other years that you're awake, you can do some phenomenal things. That's true. This was discouraging. The average American 75-year lifespan spends seven years lying in bed trying to fall asleep. (laughs) 11 years watching television, 11 years at your job. That's assuming you work an average 40-hour work week in the working years of life. A woman, uh, I hate to say it, uh, spends 136 days of her life getting ready. Um, A man, only 46 days getting ready. Thus, men aren't quite as ready as women, apparently. Five years of our life is spent online surfing the internet. Five years of your lifetime. If you live to be 75 years of age, it's spent online surfing the internet. Uh, four years uh, of our life is spent on our phones. 23 days a year, we're, we're on our phones. And interestingly, we're going to have to rename our phones because I look to see what we do on our phones. And making phone calls ranks only number six of the actual things we do on a phone. So we're checking our email, we're reading the news, we're checking our social media, we're sending somebody a text. And we're doing that for 23 days a year. They say teenagers, uh, interestingly enough, send on average 100 texts a day. We spend um, 1.5 years, I don't know if I can say this or not, um, I just try to say it generally, uh, in in the restroom, um, not in the shower or brushing our teeth. (laughs) One and a half years. We check our phones every 6.5 minutes, so that's 150 times in a 16-hour waking day. We wash clothes for three years in a lifetime, and all the clothes washers in the house, the guys were like, really? I don't think I've spent three years washing, <laughs> washing any clothes for sure. We spend 11 hours of our day interacting with digital media, whether it's our email account or a television screen or our phone. And if a child is born in 2013, by the time they're seven years old, they would have spent an entire year of their life in front of a digital screen. So when you start slicing up 
our journey on earth, you realize there's a lot of time in there somewhere. There's a lot of opportunity in there. And I believe that there's time for every one of us to do everything God has intended for us to do. But it's possible for us, you know it and I know it, that we can waste the one commodity that we cannot recover. We looked last week in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to come back to this text again and really would encourage you to dive in. Maybe you want to spend some time in your personal devotion and this chapter and the whole book of Ephesians, but Ephesians is a great template for life. And as we mentioned last week, coming down to chapter 5, it's really shifting into the practical. So we're not talking theoretical, we're not talking philosophy, we're not, not talking really theology here. We're really getting down into how does my new relationship with God as a son or a daughter in Christ, how does that domino into real world living? What does that look like? And we see in chapter 5 that it certainly looks distinct from the world. Uh, we walk in love. The first thing it says, we walk in light, and that's going to set us to be different from this world. We walk holy in a world that's unholy, and he rolls out what that looks like as well. And then he comes down to the summary paragraph of this first section in verse 15, and he says, be careful then how you live. So this is the sort of the underpinning of these few weeks together. Be careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, in some translations, yours might read, making the most of your time. Some others, of every opportunity. The, the word there is kairos, and what it means is there are moments in life where things come to a head, where it's time to make a decision, it's time to be a difference maker, it's time to have influence, it's time to shift directions around us. And when you come into these kairos moments, these opportunities in life, make the most of every one of them that comes your way. And then he goes on to say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So that's what I want to rally around. That's what I want to begin to sort of ingest into my thinking over the next few weeks. And I'm not looking for a wholesale change. I, I don't know if I can really onboard every one of the talks in this series. I don't know if I can focus on my health and my time and all the other things that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. But if I can just grab one or two ideas and make a small calibration in my direction, I really do believe that I can have a major difference in my outcome over the next weeks and months and years of my life. And I believe that is true for you as well. So how do we, let's talk about the negative, then we'll end on the positive. How do we so easily waste the one commodity in life that we cannot recover? A few ideas. We, we waste our time by not seeing the big picture. That's how we waste our time. Most of us have a tendency to focus on the next thing or the last thing. And our conversation 
is all about the next thing or the last thing. Our organization is all about the next thing or the last thing. That's the rat race that people talk about. That's the little gerbil on the wheel. It's like, well, I did my 9.30 meeting and now I gotta hustle to my 11 o'clock and after 11 o'clock, I got a short 20 minutes to grab something for lunch and after lunch, I gotta pick the kids up and then the kids have to get to whatever and the next thing after that and the next thing after that and the next thing, and we, we live from point to point to point to point and our, our whole investment really is What's the next thing? And we're just kind of checking them off. And a good day is I checked most of them off today and got through most of the next things today. And then tomorrow comes and bam, whole new set of next things are right in front of us. And when you meet people, talk to people, oftentimes they're talking about the last thing that happened, like the very last thing that happened is the big deal, or the very next thing that's going to happen is the big deal. And when we do that, we fail to see the big picture. So I want to encourage you in a simple way. Now, I'm not a time management expert. I haven't read a lot of books on time management. I looked at maybe about 50 before we got into this series, and I discovered, and I mean this in, this in the kindest way, and I actually am going to read a time management book this year, and I'll give you the summary of one in a minute if you don't want to read one. But I looked at about 50 and scanned them pretty good, and I thought, this is really all one book with 50 different covers. And really, the bottom line of it is manage your time better. So I'm not a time management expert, and I know there are people that are, and, and you don't really have to be a time management expert either, but I'll tell you one principle that you'll find all the way across the board, and you'll find it in the person of Christ, and ultimately, let's just really get excited about what he wants to say to us, because he's pretty good at time management. If you don't, and I don't, create space to think, then you're going to waste your time and I'm gonna waste my time. I think the best hour and a half of my week are the three 30-minute times in the week where I try to sit down with no one else across the table, no computer nearby, no phone in sight, an open mind, an open heart, a pen, and a piece of paper. And at the end of that, it's Amazing to me how much direction God will give me for my life. And a lot of it breaks down into specific actionable steps, but it always starts with the big idea. Don't let the next thing or the last thing rob you of the big thing God wants to do in your life. You have to create space to think. You could say it a different way if you didn't like uh, not seeing the big picture. You could say you waste your time by not planning on investing it wisely. Or you could say you, you waste your time by a lack of margin in your life used well. Second way we waste our time is by ignoring the essential thing right in front of us. So those two things have to live together. So you can create space to think about the big idea, but there's probably a big idea right in front of you and that big idea requires you to step up and into it in the faith and confidence of God. And if you don't do that, you're probably going to end up wasting a lot of the opportunity God has for you. There's a real popular time management book by a guy named Brian Tracy. Anybody read the book, Eat That Frog? Anybody here read that book? One person. I can see why it's a bestseller now. Um, it is the number two best-selling time management book. But here's two big principles that are pretty awesome in that book. He says, if you have to eat two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. 
So in other words, when you start into your day, there's going to be some essential thing there that's going to allow you to really move forward and clear the deck for what God wants you to do. Do that thing first. Instead of doing all the easy things first that don't require a gut check and a lot of confidence in God to come through, and then tomorrow that ugly frog is still sitting there looking at you again, and the next day again, and the next day again. Time management people say it this way, do the hardest thing first. And that's what the eating the ugly frog was about. Second thing, he said, if you have to eat a live frog, it doesn't pay to sit and look at it for too long. Now, that's pretty good. I'm going to remember both of those things because every day in life, there's something right in front of us that's essential. And until we can knock that thing out of the way, we're not going to really be able to potentially think about the big thing in our lives. It could be the same thing. The third way we waste our time is by good distractions. A lot of us are going to waste the time we have on earth by doing a bunch of good things with our lives. But we're going to miss the big thing that we were supposed to do with our lives. One of the worst uses of time, amazingly, I read this, is to do something very well that need not be done at all. The fourth way we waste our time is by being selfish. And this is the cap all for all of the major ways we waste our time. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 6, he said, In verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So how did Jesus stay on task? He stayed on task by being linked into a selfless lifestyle. And selfishness is the root of all of the wrongs in our lives. Sin has a baby, and the baby is called waste, and Waste hits into our time, our family, our health, our money, our opportunity, our gift, everything else in our lives. Jesus, in that full text, I love it. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, for I've come down from heaven Not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And my job, Jesus is saying, is to raise them up at the last day. And so he had a missional focus, and we'll look on that in just a moment. But what ways are we being selfish, and in being selfish, are we wasting the stewardship of time that God has given us? One of the most powerful statements of passion this year was when one of our speakers asked the question, he'd, he'd said a few things in preface, and then he said, do you want to know what I think about that? And I knew it was a setup right away. So I yelled out, although you couldn't hear me in a stadium full of people, no. Because <laughs> I knew he was setting us up. It would be like me reading a passage today and saying, and do you want to know what I think about that passage? And all of you should say, no, we really don't want to know what you think about the passage. Because it's not important what I think about it. It's important what is God saying through it is what's important. 
And the speaker went on to say, and I think this could be the most important thing being said into our current situation in humanity. It doesn't matter what you think. We are way too preoccupied by what we think and far less interested in what God thinks about us, about our life, about our purpose, about our time, about how to live, about how to treat people. God is the higher thinker in the group. And so when somebody says, well, you know, it's my time and I needed to do that. I want to do that and I want to make this decision. Basically what we're saying is whatever God thinks about my life has to be subservient to what I think about my life because my thinking about my life is the most important thinking about my life. And he just comes around the corner and says, you're a perishable, precious good. And your life is a gift on loan from God. And the time that you have on earth, time you can never get back, never replay, never do over again, that time is God's gift to you and God's gift to me. And selfishness will cause us to waste that time. The fifth way we waste our time is by buying the lie that we don't have enough of it. We all have enough time to do what God has purposed that we would do. You can read it later, but Psalm 138.8, I, I love this verse because it, it really gives us a, a, a place to stand in hard times. But it also speaks to all of our times, and it says, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for my life. I shared that recently with two different families in our church who lost babies early in pregnancy. And that child, according to what God thinks, is a human being created and woven together and conceived in its mother's womb by Almighty God. And it doesn't matter whether it's three weeks old or four weeks old or seven weeks old. That is a precious life created by Almighty God. And when that life is lost, we always have a tendency, whether it's seven weeks or 18 years old or 27 years old, to say, man, that life was robbed, but no life is robbed in the sovereign economy of God. It is possible even in the grief to celebrate that a baby that only lived eight weeks, 12 weeks in the womb fulfilled its purpose that God set it out to do, that it had an impact on planet earth in just a few weeks if, if we allow God to move and work in and through that situation. And I always want to encourage people, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. If you are submitted to him, if you are yielded to him, if you are on board with him, he'll fulfill his purpose in your life. In seven years or 87 years, he'll do what he set out to do in your life. And then you'll be in heaven with him and you'll go, well, I was only a seven-year-old boy when I came to heaven. And he'll go, but I did everything through you that I ever planned to do through your life in this world. Welcome home, good and faithful servant. We have enough time to do what God has called us to do if we don't waste that time. Sixth way we waste our time, just cruising along here, is by distancing ourselves from Jesus. And we'll come back to that at the close. Jesus is the BTME. That's just in case you're a texter. 
He's the best time manager ever. He only lived on earth 33 years. His ministry was only three. And in three days, he destroyed the old way and established a new way. He's a good time manager, and he knows how to get things done. And if you link your life up with him, you won't find yourself wasting your time. You'll find yourself finding your time in him. We waste our time seven by confusing visibility with significance. We think if people don't see what we're doing, what we're doing doesn't matter. If we don't have a public face on our life, that we don't have an important face on our life. And a lot of us waste opportunity because we've mistook the idea that visibility and significance are the same thing in the economy of God. And number eight, we waste our time by settling for small purpose. You know, you can make 50 mil and die with small purpose. Like, oh no, man, I wrote the time management book. And you know what? You made 50 million, and I'm not talking about time managers now. You made your 50 million. You were so successful on earth. And all of it went up in flames the moment you stood before Jesus and realized you didn't do anything of eternal value with your life. And your purpose was way too small. Oh, your bank account may have been big, but your purpose was small. We waste our time by having little purpose in our lives. Now, I think in Scripture, in this passage we're reading, God is going to show us that the key to time management, and discipline's important, we all know that already, Efficiency is important. We all know that already. Eliminating distractions is important. We all know that already. But he's going to show us that there is a real key connection between not wasting time, investing time, and having purpose in our lives. I believe that he's going to show us that purpose is the key to not wasting time. Not how early you get up or how early you go to bed or how good of a schedule you can keep or how, how amazing your techniques are at using time, and all those are great. But I believe God is showing us that the key to not wasting our time is by gaining our purpose in life. Notice again Ephesians 5. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So set up number one, don't waste your time. Don't, don't be a fool and squander away the, the opportunity you have in life. But, then, but how do we do that? He gives us the how-to in the next verse. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I looked into the Greek to understand this word, the Lord's will. What does it say? And the three primary words that emerge out of this Greek word are, what is the Lord's will? Yes, what is his wish, number two, and what is his desire? So understand what the Lord desires. Understand what the Lord wishes would happen in this circumstance. Understand God's will for this kairos moment that he put you in. 
So life is made up of time, yes, but time leads us to kairos opportunities where we have a conversation, we have a chance to invest, we have a chance to de-invest, we have a chance to involve, we have a chance to de-involve ourselves. We have moments that come in life, and he says, in those moments, understand what God wishes would happen in that moment and get on board with that. And that's how we don't waste the kairos, the time, the opportunity of life by understanding what God wants to do. And then we can say simply, your wish then is my command. So I've got my marching orders now because I know what God wants to do in this particular moment, in this relationship, in this conversation, in this situation, in this business meeting, in this deal that I'm in right now. I know what God wants to do right now and I'm gonna get on board with that. So I don't waste my time when I discover purpose in my life. And I think that's the crux that God is showing us in this text. We don't have purpose for our lives. The next thing and the last thing is not purpose. Purpose is beginning to understand what contribution God wants to make to humanity because we're alive on planet Earth. So here's the big idea. Don't waste your time by using or investing wisely the set time you have on Earth for the one thing that matters most. Let's let you think about that for a moment. Don't waste your time by using slash investing wisely the set time And this has already been determined, by the way, how much time you have on earth is already determined. There's a set time somehow in the sovereignty of God. And you say, well, then why should I worry about my health if there's a set time? Because we don't understand all the ways of God and the sovereign plans of God. But our decisions fold into God's great sovereign plans. And so to to use wisely the set time you have on earth for the one thing that matters most. You say, well... Can you, can you help us? Can you summarize now again what is the one thing that matters most? Well, all through Scripture and according to the writer of Ephesians chapter 5, the one thing that matters most is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. That's what matters most in life. Your family matters, amen? Your job matters. Your health matters. But nothing matters more than knowing Jesus and making Jesus known with the set amount of time you have on earth. So how can I get this purpose in my life? I want to talk about that just for a few minutes as we close. How can I be the kind of person who is seeing and setting a God-sized vision for my life? How do I do that? A few things to think about. Number one, decide now what you want your legacy to be. Give some thought sometime in the next few weeks to what you want your legacy to be. In life to be. You could start with your epitaph if you want. It's unless you're, you know, loaded and want to get a, you know, 30 by 40 headstone, it's probably going to be a sentence. What would you like it to be? Well, they'll just pick the standard, you know, beloved husband, beloved mother, beloved daughter. What would you like the sentence to be? that summarizes your journey on earth. And then unpack that, because obviously you want to live for more than a sentence. 
What would you like your legacy to be in this world? What would you like to be said about the world because of you? What would you like to be said about your neighborhood, about the city, about your family, because you were on planet Earth? Secondly, keep asking or ask, what are you passionate about? See, the problem with what's next and what was last is we stop exploring and we stop digging and we stop developing. I think, you know, years one to five, everything's a first. First time we did everything. And then by the time you get to be 45, there are very few firsts in life anymore because we're always looking at the next thing or the last thing. And we lose that sense of discovery, like what makes my heart beat? What makes my, what makes my passion run strongest? What is it I'm really uniquely wired up to contribute to the planet? What keeps me awake at night? What fires me up? What fuels my enthusiasm? What in the secret place of my mind do I really dream and think about? And I think continuing to ask those questions and to, and it doesn't maybe happen, maybe won't happen once in life. Maybe you'll have two or three purposes in your life or two or three passions in your life, but you probably won't have 50 passions in your life. Maybe you'll have a season where you're an orthodontist and building up a, a, a dental business is your passion and you use it well for the thing that matters most to know Jesus and make him known. But another season comes and you decide that you want to be a church planter and there's a season of church planting passion in your life. There could be two or three, I think, for most of us, or there could just be one for your whole lifetime, but there probably won't be a new passion every time you scroll through Instagram and see what somebody else is doing. Oh my goodness, I think I actually want to do that. I'm fired up today to do that. And then three months later, after a lot of spinning the wheels to do that, it's like, oh, I think I want to do this. And now I'm fired up to do that. We have to spend enough time, dig down, get your friends around you, get God's word open before you and try to unearth what is the thing I'm really, really good at. And what is the thing I'm really, really passionate about? And as you do that, purpose will start taking shape in your life. And you'll stop saying things like, my schedule says this, and I have to do that, and I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. And you'll start talking more about the vision that's emerging in your life, the purpose that's emerging, emerging in your life. Third, how do you get a hold of purpose? You have to ask the question, how can I use my life or my time to positively affect other people? See, none of us are going to escape the trap of wasting our time if we're not others focused. Because purpose in Christ is always going to lead us to contribute to the greater good of all people. And so if I ask you your purpose or you ask me my purpose, it's going to have to be connected to the goodwill of all people somehow, some way. My purpose can't be, well, my purpose, I'm going to get a, my, you know, this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to move over here and I'm going to accomplish that. I'm going to do this and I'm going to build this and I'm going to do all that. That's not purpose. That's just me wanting to do more for me. Purpose is how does all this set me up to do more for people on planet Earth? Martin Luther King Day was this past week, and 
It's an incredible day because everyone puts a Martin Luther King quote somewhere in the mix on that day. And you begin to discover and realize that this guy had a lot to say. I listened to a few of his speeches on, uh, on Monday and Tuesday and just was marveling, actually, at his ability to hone in on this idea. And one of the things he said is that life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? One of the urgent questions of life isn't what are you doing, it's what are you doing for others. And so I want to encourage us to make sure as we're unlocking our purpose to see the world around us and ask the question, how can I positively affect the lives of other people? And trust me, if you get that unlocked inside of you somewhere, you're going to start reorganizing the way that you spend and invest your time. And you're going to start prioritizing the things that really matter most and probably dropping off the radar a few of the things that really matter least. Now, I'm a, a good sleeper. I'll just tell you that straight up. You know, so you're like, I only need four hours a night. That's not me. I need nine if possible and feel good about it. I'm not a super early morning person and I'm not a real, you know, heavy duty time management guru but I do know what I want to do on planet Earth, and I want to know, I do know what I want to have said about my life at the end of the day, and I do know that at the heart of it all is a deep, deep desire to serve other people and to help them see Jesus and to experience his fullness in their lives. And I think no matter what field you're in, and I'm in, if that starts weaving its way into the conversation of our mind and our heart, Purpose is going to start flowing through our lives, and some things are going to drop off the radar. You're probably not going to spend 11 years of your life watching television once you discover your purpose in life. Purposeless people spend 11 years of life watching television. Purposeful people go, I've got something to give. To the world. And yeah, I may, you know, we just fell into the Netflix hole just this week. Pray for us. I didn't understand it fully and I kind of, you know, discounted it, but not anymore. It's a powerful force. We've uh, thoroughly watched one season of a program that we'd heard a lot about. We were enthralled. And the problem with Netflix, if you don't have Netflix, don't get it. Um, <laughs> But if you do have Netflix, you know what I'm talking about. Your episode ends and a countdown begins. So it's not even like you have to activate anything. It says the next episode is going to play in 20, 19, 18. I've got 18 seconds now to decide what I want to do with the next hour of my life. 12, 11, 9. I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. I, I, you know, the good news is you don't have time to make the nachos. And so that's not a bad thing if you're trying not to waste your health, but you're like, well, Louis, there's a pause button for that. I know, I'm just being facetious, but come on, who has fallen into the next episode starts in 20? And so in your mind, you have 20 seconds to decide if what you were going to do in the next hour can be delayed, postponed, or forever canceled from your life. <laughs> I think part of the 
way that I've gotten a few things done last year is I didn't know about Netflix until about two weeks ago. And now I'm going to have to decide. And that's not an either or. I can't wait for season two. We're already excited. We're already teed up. Don't even know when it comes. I have to wait a year. I don't know, but I'm already ready and excited. I'm going to clear the deck one day, work real hard for three weeks. I'm going to watch the whole thing in one day and just knock it all out. But if you are watching a truckload of anything, scanning news articles on the web, gaming, which they say the average U.S. gamer, six and a half hours a week, scrolling down your Facebook feed, uh, just watching whatever the next thing is on TV and surfing around until something looks remotely interesting. I'll watch them redo another house. I've only seen them do about a thousand, but this one's going to be the one. And I'm, I, that's awesome, too. I love uh, Chip and Joanna. They're part of our lifestyle and family and fabric, and I get it. It's beautiful and amazing. I love them. They're fantastic. But I'm just saying, can anybody back me up on this? Once you start discovering what legacy looks like, what you're passionate about and uniquely gifted for, and you start having a deep desire to contribute to other people's lives, things start falling off the radar in time that you didn't think you had all of a sudden emerges. And after a year goes by, a small decision gives you the opportunity you needed to do something significant in life. And then lastly, how do we discover purpose? By prioritizing your relationship with Christ and his church. And I'm not saying that as your pastor at Passion City Church. I'm not, this isn't a door holder campaign. This isn't a giving campaign. This isn't a go to a community group this week campaign. This would be better for me to preach at a friend's church. Because then there would be nobody saying, well, you're just trying to make everybody feel bad so that they'll do more for the church. Our church is functioning extremely well. You got served very well today when you came to this house. Our bills are being paid week after week, month after month. We are moving and advancing in the city. So we're not locked down waiting for you to say, oh, I'm going to prioritize Passion City Church more so it can do something. No, we're not missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out on purpose. And, 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 and I can say it better. Go to a different church in the city and, and invest in that church. I mean, I don't want you to do that, obviously. I want you to stay here and be a part of this house. But I just need to disconnect this from any sense of you feeling bad or guilty or, you know, Louis trying to get us to do things. No, I'm not. I just believe that Paul, if you turn back one page from, from this don't waste your life passage, you turn back one page, he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That's what God's hoping for you. Immeasurably more. More health. More time. More family. More resources. More opportunity in life. That's what God has in mind for you. Not less, but immeasurably more is what he wants for you. He's the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Comma, to him, that God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What does that mean? It means the ultimate purpose of everything in life 
finds its conclusion in Christ and in his church. And there is no greater purpose in life than Christ and his church. And so if we're going to discover our purpose, be revitalized in our purpose, come alive in new purpose that causes us to invest time and not waste time, then Christ, our relationship with Christ and our relationship with his church are going to become paramount in our journey on planet earth. Because it must be that the greatest sorrow of all of meeting Jesus face to face is saying, thank you for the 71 years. I'm so sorry that I only spent cumulatively about 18 months with you. Or standing in the throne room of heaven and seeing the church assembled worldwide, every nation, amen, every people, every tribe and every tongue, and seeing the church in eternity. Not a corporation, not a conglomeration, a church brought to life by Jesus and going, man, I came a few times, but I never invested my time in this great assembly, which is the assembly of the people of God forever. You know, no doubt today, all of us can make a small adjustment and get an extraordinary result, no doubt. But some of us today can make a huge adjustment in one small step and get the most extraordinary outcome of all. Because the primary way we waste our life is to live it without a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give us a moment to pray today. And I want you to think about that man who came to earth for 33 years to do public ministry for three years so that in three days he could die on a cross for the sins of the world, be buried in a borrowed tomb, and go down to the depths of the earth, on the third day, be raised from the dead, everlasting life with the power to forgive every one of us and to give us the gift of everlasting life. You don't waste your time by beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ and connecting to the creator of the world. And I would imagine some of us want to do that today and say, I want to take the next two minutes of my life and put my faith in Christ and change the rest of my life. That's how you don't waste your life.